0: You are listening to Innovative Minds with Melanie Francis, where we talk to some of the top thought leaders, business leaders, and marketers around the globe. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind. And now, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Innovative Minds. Today, I have someone caught that you may not have come across for in my network or have might not have seen his content, but his content really grabbed my attention. And there's so many great content creators out there that are sometimes not visible and are writing such great pieces. And, you know, I really am passionate about talking to them because this particular creator, most of my team would have just gone past and said, you know, um, okay, not getting the view. So I'm just going to move on. But when I read his content, I really liked what he, he wrote. And then the fact that he was in video marketing, which is something that I'm fully passionate about was some, the reason I really wanted to bring him on and get him to speak to you. His name is Cliff Coelho. Coelho. There we go. It wasn't perfect. I didn't. (laughs) Coelho. There we go. And he is the founder and the owner of StoryDriven.video. So I'm really excited to have you on Cliff because I really like what you're sharing online and I want to kind of dissect it and really excited to talk to you about video marketing and where it's heading and what's trending and what you're trying and seen some really cool stuff from you in your content. So I'm um, really, really excited to just get into, you know, dissecting some of the thoughts that you've been putting out on LinkedIn.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Thanks for having me. I'm really excited uh, to be on the show as well. I've looked at your past podcast, so the, the buy is that high. I'll oh. uh, look to smash this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. One of the pieces that really grabbed me, Cliff, that you wrote about, and this is why, you know, I really wanted you to get come on and speak. And this is why I guess content marketing, it's, you don't know who's going to see you at what place. And, you know, I've had such big people come on the show previously as well. And it just shows that, you know, when you're putting out thoughts and someone actually resonates with that, who can actually grab you and get you on and, you know, share that and give you a medium and a platform. So, you know, I just think the fact that you've even shared and you've been consistently doing it, whether you're getting the views or not getting the views, I think I congratulate you because I think that is, you know, what it takes. And you've obviously come across my attention. And this is the piece that really grabbed me that was like, you know what, I would like to talk to this person and I'll read it out um, to the listeners. He wrote two weeks ago, more and more I'm seeing this false illusion being sold that a more creative video will somehow drive more sales and revenue for your business. This, however, couldn't be further from the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. I do get it. It feels nice to have a highly creative video representing your brand. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. But no one ever in the history of buying bought a service just because they saw a funny or a creative video or because of a nice logo fast page load times, perfectly selected font, and perfectly contrasted brand colors. I mean, these are all great, but that's not why your customers bought your service. They bought because somehow, somewhere, you demonstrated the ability to solve their problem. Example, if you're a mortgage officer, then they bought because you showed them how to get a loan at a low interest rate. If you're an immigration officer or immigration lawyer, then you showed the ability to get the right visa in the shortest time. You get the idea, demonstrated the ability, and then they bought. But here's the problem. More often than not, the demonstration of ability is based on trust, as in people have to take the risk of becoming a customer first before experiencing what working with you even feels like. And this is a huge friction point in a sales process because no one likes to take a risk especially if you sell a high value service, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you're simply able to demonstrate your expertise before someone becomes a customer, then this friction point is removed. Trust is already built. Value is already known long before someone gets on a sales call with you. Video is arguably the most powerful way of doing this because it allows you to show what you do rather than just tell it. Then Adding story elements to it makes your marketing promising, feel really real, more believable, more human, and it makes your sales predictable. So rather than trying to be more creative or implementing tactics, focus on demonstration instead. Start by making videos that demonstrate your unique way of solving your customer's problem. This will be your biggest needle mover in terms of driving sales. So I want to dissect this because... I want to first maybe argue a little bit about no one bought a video because it was creative or funny. Hmm. Um, I want to talk about that point because I kind of feel like I kind of agree with you, but then I feel like I kind of feel that that's the way to stand out on a news feed yeah. is to do something really creative. So I'm kind of like pulled into directions in both like you kind of yeah. yeah so i'm kind of like challenged by that in one way i want to come and agree with you and say yeah you should like you know demonstrate and you should be able to show value but then in another way i feel like without the creativity and if i'm just like if i'm just an immigration lawyer and yeah. i'm just able to go okay well i can solve x problem for you and i just say that so blatantly yeah is that what's going to end up selling like cuz i said x words really clearly or is that you know, can I be really creative and funny, you know, as like, I don't know, maybe I do like a show with yeah. people in my office where someone comes in and like, you know, does a drama scene of a customer. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I feel like, you know, should it be a mixture is what I'd like. Yeah, to... definitely.
1: It's, there's definitely a dichotomy in that in the sense the both can coexist. As you pointed out, capturing attention is key you know, within those first few seconds, somebody sees something funny, they automatically relate with that. They want to watch it. It's more, it's more social. You know, that's the era era we're living in now rather than somebody trying to pitch their, you know, insurance service or whatever it is. It gets that attention. But what happens after you hold that attention is what moves people further in that sales process. Uh, so yeah, it's, if you have, like, if you have, a very creative video that has a message that takes people right from the start, you know, from a hook all the way to interest, the desire, uh, the, you know, creating a knowledge gap and then driving that action. If it yeah. can do all of that uh, and be funny at the same time, that video is going to kill because, you know, it's captured attention and it's kept it, but if it's just funny, and then it keeps being funny f- for a long time, it's just seen as another piece of entertainment yeah, okay. uh, or if it's like an emotional story, for example, which is another thing I think a lot of companies tend to think, yeah, stories sell, but it has to be the right story as well. It has to be the story that a customer can relate with. If I tell a story about, you know, how my dog had <laughs> fell ill yesterday, that's not going uh, to, might get a lot of likes and you know comments and things like that. Uh, but in terms of moving the needle, um, what we find is like you need to be able to identify what like what is a belief system that your ideal prospect has and then change it to to show them something new and that's what i think video is a good medium to do it because you're like physically having this one-on-one conversation with your ideal prospect uh, and to to focus it entirely on creativity is i feel it's it's a bit of a waste in in the sense like once you've got your message dialed down yes you can add creativity to it you can add you know, high, high production value and do all those things. But without having a message that people, that really, like, like mass message to market fit, I think Dan S. Kennedy calls it that, where, you know, you put that message in front of the right people and they say, yeah, that's it, I want that. Yeah. you know, no, that, Once you have that.
0: That then, makes so much sense. It does for me because I've gone on LinkedIn and did the personal story thing that you've suggested and I've had million views on a post and I was hitting that same strategy back sort of two years ago just keep hitting that because all I wanted was that feeling of virality and you know I would actually not get any leads from not genuine like high quality leads telling my story of you know how I had this sad thing when I was young and all that but you know I was like addicted to telling the story and the virality. And I guess it built a bit of personal brand, but now, you know, the way I've operated and the way I share content, I'm not focused only on how can I go viral? I'm focused on how is this actually also positioning my knowledge as a person within a space of personal brand or LinkedIn? Like, you know, how am I, actually positioning myself over that. Like when someone sees my content, they go, okay, she really knows her shit rather than exactly. she's had a really crap thing. I really feel sorry for her. Cause I mean, if I get people to feel sorry for me, it doesn't really mean they're going to buy from me. I think, yeah. I think to an extent they can understand maybe a complexity of me. Maybe there's an mm. element of trust, but if I just keep hitting, keep, you know, my sad stories it's just for the virality, I don't feel they actually know that, you know, you can trust me with your you know, managing your LinkedIn or your brand or anything. So I really appreciate what you sort of shared. It's a really, it's, a, it's, a, it's so important to, to get your messaging and then you're saying, you know, then try and maybe craft it in a creative,
1: creative way, yeah, in a
0: second layer.
1: Correct, yeah. And then it's different formats as well. It doesn't, you don't have to limit yourself to video anymore. After that, it's, just, you know, you can try different formats because different people have different learning styles and that's what it's all about. I just prefer video because there's various other advantages to it in terms of the, you know, the human aspect and everything. But then I use blogs as well in combination with uh, video. So it's not discounting the others, but focus is on the message always.
0: I saw that you repurpose content really well. So I saw that okay. the same video that um, there was has been repurposed into text for you and I wanted to just understand your process of, you know, your, your video about, I think three videos that every business needs yes, or something yeah. like that. I've seen you repurpose that as a text format um, yeah. on LinkedIn too. So what was your process in that? Was that, uh, did you like, you know, do the video and then grab the subtitles of that and then rewrite that? Like uh,
1: just walk- It's kind of repurposing. It's a bit of a different strategy, I learned this from a guy called um, Chris Warren Wilpert. He's not very active on social media, but he used to work for uh, Noah Kagan, uh, who is the owner of all the Sumo apps. And he worked with them right in the beginning. And the strategy that he teaches is basically uh, using blogs and content upgrades to raise your brand awareness, but at the same time build a lead list as well. So what I do is I start with a signature strategy that three videos is how I deliver most like my high value plans, uh, the best service and every business has a signature strategy that works for them. And that makes them unique. So the way that works is you give out the signature strategy for free, completely ungated. There's no opt-in to watch or consume that. Um, I write the video script first for that, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the hook and the interest and, you know, all the other parts as well, deliver that first. And then, uh, from that, I develop a writer blog based on the video structure. So I write it separately. It just works. I know you can transcribe and just turn it into an article. writing style requires like you know, when you're writing for a post, it requires a different style when you're writing for a blog. For example, a blog needs images, image references, whereas um, a post, you've got like certain amount of character limits. So you, you, you miss certain parts of the script. And get to the main point much quicker. You want to give the information, you want to create like sort of some set kind of intrigue before in the first two lines when writing a post on LinkedIn. So I write them all separately, but I start with a video post because I tend to use paid ads with my videos because organically, clearly, you've been seeing I'm not, I don't get much reach uh, in terms of organic. So I use paid ads and a uh, call email to get these videos in front of the right people. And then based on their response uh, from the ad and from cold email, sometimes I tweak the script, but if it's working fine, then I just rewrite a blog based on that. I have a guide section uh, that I keep updating, and some of them just have a video and a a call to action button on them. So basically, the goal is that you give the whole strategy for free. People who, who want to implement it will do it themselves. That is the idea. They should be able to do it themselves. But the ones who value time over money will say, you've done all the trial and error. I want you to do this for me. So Um, you speak to more higher value clients rather than, you know, someone who's going to try to negotiate on price or something like that. It's like they've already seen that. You say, if you want want something cheaper, you can give this to another videographer They can do it for you or you can do it it. yourself.
0: With your scripting, do you think like because it's quite, for me personally, it's intimidating when I'm scripted. Whereas all my videos you see are me off the cuff because I feel like, you know, scripting is difficult. So I don't know why I feel that way, but I guess, but more and more with ads, I do feel like if you're not scripted, you've got such a short time that you're under a different type of pressure because, you know, your team's like, well, mate, you only have 30 seconds to do that. And you're still speaking after one minute and 30 seconds. And I think I'm really happy that I've done it in one minute, 30 seconds. Cause I'm like, do do you guys know, like if this was anyone else, I wouldn't be able to get it in a minute 30. So, and they're like, well, we needed it in 30 seconds, you know, Mel. So, um, you know, so scripting is something that I've always been very, uncomfortable with. I've never scripted any of my clients that we've ever managed because I've thought, you know, I want them authentically speaking, you know, they'll come on a podcast, like interview and speak their authentic self. And, you know, in organic where I've always focused, it's not a problem because you speak and we pull it, pull out what you spoke and it can be two minutes. It can be three minutes. It can be one minute, it can be 30 seconds. Whereas, so yeah, with scripting, do you kind of like if you're working with your clients? Um, what is that screen that they can kind of read?
1: Oh yeah, like a teleprompter. So it's
0: teleprompter that is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that what you'd it's have to? Yeah. It, so teleprompters is that what you would have to use to help guide your clients every time so when they're I, scripted? Because kind of, how does it work?
1: Yeah. So I try to avoid avoid scripting for the same reason as you said because people come off robotic. So if you watch my client videos, they're mostly unscripted. Okay. Uh, what I do is I do a deep dive with them before um, before the filming date. So we know the exact outline of what they'll be talking about. And when they give me the answers, it's not always... So the answers that they think are not always what, uh, you know, the, the customers want. So I, I reframe that, you know, that, okay, the answer you've given is right, but... We need to present it in a more sort of digestible way to the um, uh, to the client. And then I create these bullet points. Basically, these are things we absolutely have to cover on day of filming. Uh, we don't leave without that. And then it's just an interview. So I just go, I develop a line of questioning based on the bullet points and then just ask them because basically the expertise is already there yes. in their minds. They just don't know how to repackage it in, into sort of uh, a way that their customers first of all understand and secondly care so that's all i do i just pick that all up and then in the editing editing process it's just brutally deleting anything that's yeah. fluff and bringing all the best parts together for myself like if it's going for an ad just as you said i scripted so that's what this thing is is therefore i'm actually uh, filming
0: <laughs> um <laughs>
1: And uh you're yeah. using a
0: teleprompter right now as you speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be you're Like let me just I'm, look it up. <laughs>
0: <I'm, laughs> you're know, all I'm, the questions I'm <laughs> asking
1: <yeah>. you. <laughs> I'm not that good, but yeah. But, so
0: you yeah. for yourself enjoy scripting it because and do you use a teleprompter or is there apps? I wanted to always know this. Is there actual computer apps? Because I know like now everyone's trying to shoot from their computer and look while you've got your other thing. Is there actual now teleprompter apps that your On computers... the computer? Yeah.
1: I'm sure but, there are. Uh, yeah. I've not tried. Uh, it's just because I don't uh, record on, on my uh, computer, but yeah, there's got to be.
0: Yeah. I know, like, you but, know, you have your camera set up, like, there, yeah. and then whether you have your teleprompter now as part of it. I, I know, I was just curious because I was like, how would it work if you don't have a teleprompter and want to shoot from your home, you know? Like... Ah.
1: Yes, there's an easy way. It's just uh, on your phone. Uh, you can get, you can put your script on your phone and uh, the teleprompter apps. There's a few of them. Just uh, like if you go to an app store right. and type in teleprompter, uh, yeah. there's a few apps where they record and prompt at the same time oh. from your phone. So just oh, wow. put, yeah, so just put your phone on like a tripod and
0: cool. vertical is
1: best so that you're not just like you know <laughs> going from left to right. And just read off that if that's you know something that clients find difficult.
0: There is a thing with shooting on the phone now more and more, isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot of people like shooting vertically on the phone. It seems good. to be it seems to be a real thing because the quality of the phone cameras it's increase so good, yeah. so good. Yeah. Are you seeing that now more and more? Like if you're not working with a client on the same location, like. How are you going to operate in that environment now? Like, do you kind of go, okay, like set it up? Like
1: uh, what's yes. going on
0: in that space?
1: Yeah. So, so far all my work has been uh, with with our cameras, like fully produced. We, uh, we've done one, one project where the client was based in Sydney and I was in Brisbane. So it was like a Zoom call okay. where I was asking all the questions. That's something I've not been able to you know, train someone else to do everything else, you know, I can have uh, other people do. But the, the getting that, you know, the message out, getting the right answers out is something that I'm still sort of quite heavily involved in. So that, that was just a Zoom call. And I had videographers over there who uh, set up everything, try to keep the setup as simple as possible, uh, two cameras, two lights, a lapel mic and one boom mic. And that's like a standard setup for most of our firms. Yeah. Uh-huh. The reason is because, uh, we get a pretty high, um, we still get high production value to cameras means we can cut through a lot of fluff and then wherever we, you know, there's a cut from one part to another instead of having like a, you know, the jarring cut from, uh, you know, if your face is here in one place, it's, it's moved a lot and that can be jarring. So we switch camera angles for, for that. Mm. So that makes it look like a high production, uh, you know, set, which it is, <laughs> but uh, but it's that's not the reason. Uh, it's not to look pretty. It's just it's very practical, but it ends up looking good as well.
0: One thing that I've struggled with in LinkedIn is when I've done like really high production videos, and then sometimes I've just done like I don't know on my camera on you know on, on the cuff. Sometimes like I feel like I've gotten a better result from just the, off the camera, of the cuff, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, off the cuff, and. And I kind of was blaming LinkedIn saying these guys are the problem are not rewarding high value production of video because they can see, you know, the quality, they can see the quality of the pixels and they think that I should pay for the ads or something like that. You know, like they think this is like an ad production value and that's why they're not giving me the reach and where it's like, they can tell this is a homemade video and they like, and I don't know if that's true, but in my mind I was like, why, do, why don't people want to watch high production videos? But I guess it, it's something that have you found like, you know, on organic, like when you're sitting on a feed, like you kind of want non-produced video, like special, I don't know. Is, it, is that something what you think, like we want to consume stuff that seems more homemade?
1: Yeah, on- I think it's definitely, yeah. Uh, it's I th- like, it, I think that goes back to that first, the post that you mentioned, it's, The homemade part it definitely helps. Like in in, on on a social feed, for example, because then, especially on a place like Facebook, for example, where it's more interruption marketing, no one's come searching for your ad. I'm talking more in terms of an ad. uh, Mm. uh, Yeah, even with
0: ads, I've seen so many agencies now, like they're just coming up, and like they're literally holding their camera and just like, it doesn't, yeah. it's not even held. And then just like, you know, but they're messaging yeah, yeah, yeah. so spot on. Exactly. And that's you, the thing. And, and you think it's an organic post almost that's yeah. coming up on your feed. And p- like people are almost trying to come across organically. Like it's not even an ad. It's like a post. That's like a new sort of, it's not a new strategy. I've been seeing it for a while where they yeah. just get into your feed and you're kind of experiencing a story almost. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the hook, the message, and uh, you know the audience as well. Because if it's the wrong, the best hook in front of the wrong audience, then it still won't matter. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the guys from Traffic and Funnels—they do it really well. Uh, Taylor Welsh—if you check out his ads, it's it's basically him just you know with a phone just telling his story basically. Yeah. Then the, if you it it seems very casual, but he's like a really like. Top class copywriter, and right. uh, his message right from the like very first word is is like purely, you know, it's it's it speaks directly to you as you know uh, whoever is targeting.
0: Got it. Yeah, and that's why it works. It's just, so you reckon the cop- and I've always believed this. I think the copy is everything. You know, we don't give copywriters enough credit for you know or script writers enough of their credit of, you know, because sometimes videographers will come in and shoot a piece of thing, but it sounds like you're really focused on the previous part before, the strategy, the, yeah. what's the hook, the script. And a lot of the times I think this is something I'd want to get cleared when people are listening to videos. You're saying, I've got a videographer, but sometimes videographers are not scripters like you. They literally are coming in and doing the shoot and then they're yeah. working out. So, you know, I don't want clients to get really confused listening to this going... Yep, yeah, my videographer's going to go and script for me. And then they come out with a really, a video that's not got the outcome that they want. So I just want to kind of, you know, clarify that, that with your scripting, that's obviously something you've started doing and playing with, but that's not really traditionally what videographers
1: no. do. Yeah, this is completely the opposite in the sense. As you said, videographers, typically they expect either the client or, you know, client's marketer or someone else to figure out what what that message needs to be, what the strategy needs to be. But the thing is, what I've realized is the strategy need, needs to be baked into every video. So you should know the whole strategy before you start making it, especially if it's a yeah. long term like a video asset that, that is evergreen. Like, for example, the three videos that I talk about in that uh video that three videos every business needs to make those three videos you make them once and then then you forget about them because they the way you put them in your sales process is they keep you know they keep working for you it's not something that's relevant today and not relevant tomorrow
0: yeah what what are the three videos that you think that every business needs to have as part of you know the air marketing mix
1: yeah. So the goal is basically to put these three videos in front of somebody who's a complete stranger, but they have a need that you can solve, and then take them through that through that decision making process of becoming a customer. So the first one is basically your your signature strategy, how you deliver results. Typically, this can be broken down into three to five steps. I prefer three steps. That should give, especially this a. Uh, this is applicable more to service businesses. It needs to teach, teach your audience something new on how to solve a problem. And it needs to be in a very actionable way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Basically that should guide them to visit your website or whatever it is, your landing page. And the way you use this video is you put it on, I mean, you can use it organically, but then you are depending on the platform to put this video in front of other people. Whereas if you use paid ads, tell it, you know if you're a financial advisor put it in front of say med- if you're targeting high income earners or you target medical uh, professionals or something like that then you know that this message that's what they want to learn they want to know how to get financial freedom in you know one step two step three steps and it teaches them without 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 asking for like an opt in or something like that
0: Cool. So the the first video is how do you deliver results?
1: How you you deliver results in a very sort of instructional way so that if someone watches it, they should be able to execute it themselves. Cool. But it also has to be unique to you. Got it. Number two? Number two is what we call a brand story video. It's basically once this person comes from the social media platform to your website or your landing page, they want to know a few Key pieces of information, like who you are, what you do, how you're different, yeah. how you take someone from point A to point B, which is, you know, where they are right now to where they want to be. And the main thing is how you're different from everyone else who's been trying to sell the same thing. Mm. And if all of that makes sense, then the, the final part of the video should tell who this is for and what they should do next, which basically preframes early, removes barriers in terms of people because a lot of times people don't reach out because they're not sure what's going to happen next in, in the sales process. Am I? Are they going to just push me down some, you know, is it, is it going to be like hard sales tax, tactics or something like that? So that's one of the biggest fears. So find out what's the biggest fear in your sales process and then address that in your call to action. That's the second one. And the third one is basically a video that is more like a testimonial or a video chronicles. But what it is basically is the story of your ideal story of someone who resembles your ideal prospect. So someone who's already done business with you, they're happy, they've got the results. They are basically the future of what your customers are buying. So you you go in their environment, capture their story, and then address the most common objections that you get in your sales calls or the most common fears. Like for example, uh, for me, I did the same thing. Is I got my clients to uh, like talk about their filming experience, you know, like, because that's a fear for Mm. a lot of people. I don't know what I'm going to say in front of camera. Yeah. And I got all of them to just tell me their version of it. And I built a narrative around it. Uh, So there were a few objections that I I was, I got used to. So I created different of these uh, stories, like four case studies for four different industries. Mm. And now people from those industries, especially it works, when you're targeting someone else in that same industry, people from that industry, they come to the website, they check that out, and then during the sales call, they tell me, "Actually, that's the video that, yes. that actually is why we're talking right now. Yeah, I really like that one because yeah. I, I was not sure about that. You know, it's like I was not sure about how this whole interviewing thing was going to go. Uh, I could try to explain it myself, but it would not be in their language. You know, yeah. whereas when the customer tells it themselves, it's like more relatable.
0: Yeah. Tell me about the scripting process. So, you know, if you're making that first video mm-hmm. and you're trying to, how do you deliver results And you, I know you've made it for yourself. Like, you know, how do you start a, you know, a script and from like, you know, is it particular questions and frameworks that you use to make sure that, okay, like, how do you even start? That's something, you know, yeah. people
1: yeah sure so it's a so my structure is basically a five-part structure it's based on um, the ada structure i don't know if you've heard of ada attention interest desire and action so it's loosely based around that i've got different things that go into each of those but what i do is i is i start with the desire part which is um you know the bulk of your message so if, for example, we're talking about the first video, which is the, um, you know, the signature strategy uh, video, uh, I would start with that and tell the client, okay, this is your ideal customer now, this is where they are right now, and this is where, where they want to be, point A and point B. If if they had to go from point A to point B in three big steps, what would those these three steps be? And that really like realigns everything in their in their mind in terms of, you know, these are the three big broad steps that people need to take. In my case, for example, I've, I've done this for myself is the three steps are, you know, first is getting on us, you know, finding the right strategy. And then the second step is uh, the filming and the editing. And the third is the implementation plan. And then based on that, you can know exactly, what the rest of your video will be because that is your bulk, bulk of your message. And then you develop your hook and your call to action around that. That's what I find to work best for me. I know a lot of copywriters start with, uh, start with the hook and then go on to the desire, whatever works for people. But uh, in terms of hook, what I do is whenever I find a good hook that I, you know, that, because hooks, they tend to have the same, things in common. They have winning hooks, especially like if you look at ads for how long they've been running. So that's something we do for all clients. We study, you know, other ads in the industry for how long they've been running and things like that. And they all have like similar elements of how they start. So I have like a whole library created of all these hooks that I just keep adding (laughs) daily.
0: When you say a hook and what is a good hook? Like, give me some of the good hooks. Like, what does a good hook sound like? Is it one line? Is it, you know, like, is it because you're trying to capture attention, right? So what, you know, is it, are you trying to define their problem? So they go, you know, I know that you know that, you know, um, that you have this problem. Like, you know, for me, like, I don't know, it could be like, hey, I bet you're not getting enough views on those posts that you're spending so much time creating, you know? Is that sort of what you're trying to do is engage with people and to grab attention with their problem. And Correct, just go, I yeah. know that you have this problem.
1: Correct, I've seen other yeah. people have this. Yeah, but uh, exactly that. And uh, that is that is a great way of doing it. Uh, one thing that I noticed though in uh, social media is people don't like being ca- called out. As in, like there this, there's a lot of these ads that start with, are you a homeowner looking to sell your house, you know? Type yeah, of thing. Yeah. That, that sounds that car is,
0: salesman. That,
1: yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, and those don't tend to perform as well. It's just because it's it. They're not very like social in the sense. Calling out someone directly in a social setting can feel confrontational. So, the the best hooks I found are ones that are more inclusive. They start with like yourself. So let me think of an example. This is one hook I used actually. So this was basically targeting service businesses in my local area. So I was focusing on the problems of being in a saturated industry and selling. The very specific problem was selling the same end result and not being able to differentiate as a result. So if you're a real estate agent, for example, then the end result you sell to homeowners is I'll sell your home in the shortest amount of time at the highest price right and that's what everyone says so it's difficult for others to tell the difference between you and uh, other real estate agents so the hook i used in there is as a business owner operating in a saturated niche i got tired of being compared against others purely based on price this is what i did to you know blah 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 to solve the problem got it. so so it's more like inclusive and they say okay yeah, they're talking about business owner. That's me. This is the problem that this guy faced is something similar. So I'm describing that problem, but, you know, through my own experience and it's but, it's sort of less confrontational. It feels like they're just being part of, you know, your story rather than being sold something. So got it it. it. it just like, lo- it catches attention, but lowers the guard down at the same time.
0: Got it. I... I wanted to ask you about something else was my team wanted me to ask was what's your view on B-rolls, right? Like, you know, the That's ones beautiful. that you purchase online ah, and stock yeah, not again. stock B-roll as opposed to authentic, like, you know, where you shoot B-rolls on the scene and it's authentic and it's on the thing versus yeah. motion graphics. So sometimes when we see content organically or on paid and, this B roll that's doc seems to stock. make it more ad feel like an ad. That is true. Like,
1: <laughs> that is so true. So, yeah. is your
0: you know what's your recommendation on that? Would you say just avoid that and instead, if you don't have B roll that you've shot authentically on mm. the spot, that you can you rather go for motion, mm. which I know takes more editing time. Um,
1: mm.
0: So, you know, what's your recommendation and viewpoint?
1: That's a hard one. Personally, I, w- I would say nothing beats your sharing like your own experiences. So, even if it's like screen shares, that would work better than That's what I've started using a lot more of now. I've used talk in the past and now I screen share because I realize a lot of my stuff is to do with strategy and that requires, you know, sharing screen, but sharing screen in an engaging way. So, you're zooming in, panning out. Uh, yeah. creating dark areas around the screen uh, so i'm moving more towards that now uh, i don't i'll have to see what that works out like but yeah that's true if you use too much stock then it's just it, it feels like an ad as you said you know like because it feels like not enough effort is gone into creating but, but the effort aside it also makes a weird thing like on two different things it's, they're thinking of okay what is this visual saying and what's the message saying. Whereas if you have like a, like recently yesterday, I think I posted, actually, no, this will be coming on Monday, a video showing how to do a lot of the stuff like the research and things like that. I basically screen recorded myself doing it. and, And then I use animations to just zoom in on certain parts. So when I'm talking about going into like Facebook groups and, you know, understanding your customers pain points and things like that, is actually showing me going into a Facebook group and capturing this stuff. There's no stock footage that would be able to <laughs> show that without doing it yourself. So I would say yeah.
0: Are you putting your face also on the side of the video or is it just a screen recording with your voiceover?
1: Two ways of doing it. One is like if if I'm talking directly to camera, like like now, then I would be in the center. But if it's an interview, Like on this
0: screen recording thing that you're doing, is that just going to be screen recording only? Oh, it's going to be
1: full screen. Yeah, it's just a screen.
0: there's no you in it anymore?
1: Not in that part, but my face comes in and out. Okay. uh, Between the cutaways. So like my general rule of thumb is not to have your face showing for more than seven seconds at a time. Okay, It's just something that I came up with.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like on the LinkedIn algorithm side that I found that if I don't start with my face first, the yeah. algorithm doesn't make it perform or people don't engage okay. with it. So what I've tried to do is always like be like, okay, it has to start with my face, mm-hmm. like never start with anything outside because I've seen people actually put it next to their face while they're talking to it as a strategy but or open yeah. it up to that screen where you go away and then you come back to it. I don't know. I just kind of feel like when you don't use face, it just kind of looks like a presentation. It can very much be like a blank screen that, you know, goes past and you just kind of scroll past it. So could be, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I've always thought, and I don't know if in paid ads or Facebook ads, you know, Facebook is the face. They're always looking for the face within your ad. Yeah. So if you don't have the face, as an opening and they're dissecting all the algorithms trying to understand at least the first five, 10 seconds of your video. I don't know how much of yeah. it can actually read to understand, but that's something else that, you know, I think could impact if you don't see it. Cause I've seen, I've seen Justin Rowie who's come on here and I've oh, yeah. even told him the same thing is uh, okay. he does the loom videos where his face yes. is really small here. And then he just kind of has his whole screen. And I pushed him and said, okay, I think you need to like go bigger because it's so small, his face that you're almost losing the, you can't see the impression of the face and you can't build that same brand, Mm. brand thing. So I think he went in and tried to do a bit more with his face, but that's just, I think with me, that's just what I feel has worked for me, but that could just be because I'm a girl, and it's different, but that's that's what I recommended to people. That I think the yeah, algorithms no. might be preferencing, looking for that shape.
1: That, that is true. It's possible, entirely possible. The thing is, uh, one more thing uh, that might be a variable is your brand recognition, because you're much more, you know, you're much more well known to your uh, to your circle and outside. Uh, whereas for someone like me, who's not, you know, that that much out there. It's not a, it's not a recognizable face. So I'm not sure how much part that would play. I'm not tested it to be honest, but.
0: Yeah. I, every time I didn't have my face or I didn't put my client's faces, I felt like I got, you know, content always carries itself. If it's a good content, it's always going to carry itself. But I think it can very much be lost within an image post, that video post, if there's no face. Yes.
1: absolutely. So that's,
0: that's the only thing that is risk. One thing that I don't know if you've noticed that I'm really testing and I'm really into is the real video shapes. now. Yeah, and yeah. I think I saw you liked my today's post on, yes, yeah, um, yeah. with Andy that Ford. Yeah, like so I'm really like, you know, at the moment, inspired by the fact that a video can have like multi reach. Yes. And yeah. this real format for me is really exciting mm. because I can post it on LinkedIn feed and it looks good on mobile. And then I can push that into TikTok reels. And then I can push that into YouTube shorts, and then I can get it on Instagram story, Facebook story, the same. I'm always looking for a multi-format because it's kind of like, you know, where is, how are people consuming the content? So what's your thoughts on this whole shorts and reels that, you know, is how content's been consumed on the other platforms outside of linkedin do you see you know how do you shoot vertical and how are you bringing that to your clients
1: yeah so the way i'm doing it is like the approach that you're doing is first doing long-form content like like the podcasts and things like that and it's something i've not done i've not done a podcast and uh, this is like it's going to be a good learning experience for me as well in terms of you know seeing how i can do something similar but i see that as yeah that is the future it's Creating podcasts like this one to get a deeper understanding of, you know, to show people a deeper understanding of your expertise, but then repackaging that into vertical uh, short 60 second clips yeah, that can be used on Reels and, uh, you know, TikTok and uh, all kinds of places because then that creates that. It gives it the far reach, but then if you yeah. want to say, Okay, I want to learn a bit more about this guy, what he's talking, yeah. and check out the podcast. And then they'll come to consume the the you know the longer form content. So yeah. it's a great way of doing it.
0: I love the multi reach on you know the platforms, but at the end of the day, I will say like I have no reach over in YouTube. I don't have any reach over really in Instagram or TikTok. I really don't have a following. So for me it's more experimental to understand. Yeah the content and how it's being, you know, cause I haven't really built an audience. So even though I'm posting, I'm still going to get only like 300 views or something ridiculous. But I just thought, Hey, the first step is to actually put content. The first yeah. step is what you're doing is just to put content out there. A, you Me know, too. and that's, and then you learn from that and you go, Oh, okay. Well shorts on YouTube did really crap or really good. And I didn't expect that. And then you can like kind of go, well, let me now really try and deeply understand this because that if a fluke can get you a result then there's obviously something there to investigate further.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I think that's a great way of doing it. It's it's uh, you're focusing on one platform where, you know, you've built your brand and you know, it's, you, you just keep building on that. But if you can use the same piece, uh, like same content to just, Tap into new audiences who don't come to LinkedIn, maybe, and then you might find a new use. You know, they might find a new use case for what you do, and that could be a whole new market. But if yeah. it's this, if it starts with a good, you know, with good content, then from there you can do anything with that. Tell me
0: about tell me about new video studio, home studio that you have set up that you recently you know posted about and looked really oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, what's the setup? like in your home studio so we can all kind of aspire to do the same
1: yeah so the goal was basically i've tried home studios in the past and uh, they they look great as in they were you know the, the positioning and there was some like a unique angle thing going on but the only problem was the effort was too much in terms of you know okay i've got an idea i want to make a video with it and then I had to go put the tripod on, put the batteries on, and the lights on. and mm-hmm. then Put batteries on the lights and all that stuff. And then when you're setting the camera, the batteries on the lights run out, and you know <laughs> it's like a battery <laughs> dance, I call it. Yeah. So it was just too much effort. So what I did was like decide what is the least I can do to start. You know, making content. So when I get an idea, uh, say for example somebody makes a post and I have, you know, my opinion on it, and that's the easiest way, right? So I said, okay, I can just, what is the least I can do to get that out uh, rather than just, you know, making a post? So uh, what I did is I have my desk here and uh, I placed one camera uh, behind my computer screen. Yeah. And one light source just over here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the, like, I would not need a light source, but I've got a window behind me, which Uh creates backlighting. So that makes my face dark. So that's why uh, I needed the light. But the key part is that camera is always there. It never moves. And it's set to a focal length. It's set to a focus. So those blue dots that you (laughs) you were seeing earlier, those are basically focus points to tell me that, you know, I'm in focus, but it didn't translate well to this call, (laughs) unfortunately. So all I do now is I go into an app um, called... um, so it's, the app is specific to my f- uh, camera, which is a Lumix. And then I just press one button and I've got a remote control that mm-hmm. turns the light on. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Uh, it starts recording. Yeah. And I'm already framed because I'm just sitting at my desk. right? So I'm, fr- I'm framed perfectly for it. And as soon as I stop recording, it goes straight to my hard disk. So I don't have to remove SD cards and put it in, which is like oh, all no. additional steps. Yeah, So just literally press button on my computer it's always powered on and one click of a light and that's it and
0: wow. uh,
1: yeah it looks pretty looks pretty good <laughs> yeah. you, i look yeah. forward to
0: it i mean i moved to the Logitech 4K shooting ah, yeah cam that's what i've been using but i mean it's still i don't feel i'm getting a 4K quality shoot but apparently Mm. i'm shooting in 4k but you know like right now we're speaking i can see i'm on a 1080 Uh, um, pixel even though you know 4k is not reading here so yeah but yeah that's what i i mean i tried because i was like okay i want to be able to shoot all the time as and when i feel but
1: it's still
0: not at a yeah it's still not sometimes at a quality i think i think now speaking to you and Um, reflecting I feel that the phone and the tripod thing is a real situation like you know like people have that set up here on your left hand side and then you've got a front camera that you know you've got the two on your own um because you creating thought leadership content is so important like you're having a thought you're having a moment it's authentic you want to share that in that moment so I feel that's got to be the future (laughs) like for me it's like set up the two here and there so you can have the two frames but just such an effort still isn't it like two things shooting at the same time in my mind is like um if i could just have so it mean, all the time set up
1: so you mean two two cameras i've, I've got i've got just one camera um, well i was
0: thinking i've seen chris walker right do it yeah. and he has because he does the vertical
1: he okay, has yeah. it like
0: the actual phone you know over there like yeah. doing that and then he's got the front one so he can actually move between angles ah, and yeah, he's the getting switch, the yeah. tiktok you know he's getting his vertical yes. shoot right on his camera i think that's seems like what content creators are moving to to encompass i'm getting my video here and i'm getting my video on my vertical Eric. as well without having to you know resize this one particularly
1: resizing yeah so the resizing well, is not that difficult in no um, it's not
0: yeah. yeah i don't know why they do it like, i think it's just it's just sometimes the length of it. It's like you know you don't have enough space on top and bottom and all that crap. Whereas it, here, you, when you're shooting it, you're really getting to see exactly what you're getting. Yeah,
1: you do get to see exactly. Like, yes, but what I do is uh, I record <clears throat> in uh, in wide format, nine by mm. sixteen by nine, and then once the full edit is done, uh, then I just resize the par- the talking head sections because that has me in it, and what that does is. If there's anything else, then I had the black bars on top. But then my when it's me talking directly, it's it's just like the full frame is covered. Yeah. Um, if that makes what, sense.
0: What, it, what I was also curious about with you was you are asked questions like, how long should a video be? Mm. I know you've got a funny answer <laughs> answer for that, but you said, you know, it doesn't really matter, but really like, you know, what is your opinion on... How long should a video be for ads and how long should it be? Does it really matter? I guess.
1: For me personally, like uh, the ads, the type of ads that I'm running longer has worked way better. Uh, It's just to do with my strategy. In the sense, my ads are not selling to the product aware. So they're selling more to the the problem, uh, either problem aware or problem unaware and taking them from, uh, problem unaware to problem aware. So it's like quite early in the funnel, uh, that I'm, uh, I'm targeting people and it's, it's almost no call to action. It's just a small call to action at the end. Uh, but the goal is basically to put these videos and build that trust up front by giving like a ridiculous amount of value, uh, you know, in the shortest possible time. And this is more for like service. I've not tried this in the, uh, product-based businesses but more for services is like that signature strategy that the you know the three three steps yeah and then giving that out and then based on the video views especially now with the facebook pixel not you know being it's practically dead right you can't track people who visited your website
0: but you can on linkedin so you should all come on linkedin ads (laughs) you can track your video views here still before they stop that
1: Video, ah, video views, yeah. Video views are still work. They still Mm -hmm. work. Uh, I I was talking more about the pixel itself when, you know, someone clicks on an ad and goes to your landing page. Like Apple is blocking. Correct, tracking Correct. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So that makes, I think, longer videos all the more important where you deliver this value up front and then based on the percentages of uh, video views, 25%, 50%, 75%, you retarget them with the other videos of like you know uh, either Got more it. value or like then inviting them to a call like to a conversation or something like that.
0: That that was really intelligent. That conversation we've just had, and I just want to summarize that part. What's happened with the ads and everything going on with the privacy policies is we can't seem to accurately track who actually clicked on your ad and then who actually ended up landing on your website and the actions they took depending on if they have, you know, cookie settings in their phone and they've accepted that. So what we're suggesting to overcome the issues that we're going to continue to face within these platforms is videos make the actual targeted person stay on the platform and the platform can tell you if the video was watched for 25% or 50% or 75% or 95%. And what you can do is if someone watched your video 90%, they're obviously more engaged than someone that's 25%. And then you can like take that data so they're not having to leave the platform because the platforms all want users to stay on the platform. You can then go and retarget the 95% that watched all the way and then show them your next thing and next thing and next thing. And you're not reliant on waiting for, them to visit your website or not collecting the data when they did do it. So we're suggesting that maybe videos are really smart way. And to be honest with you, I think anyone that is anybody and somebody are using videos within their ad. Like I was thinking about Kayla in science, you know, um, the bikini body famous Adelaide girl all over video from day one King Kong's agents. He's an yeah, agency. King he's always, the all the time on video, you know, Um, Chris Walker is just constantly on video. I just feel like anybody that is even in digital marketing or has gotten fame, they've always got really consistent video marketing. So I do think that investing into video is, I just don't think it's going away. I think it's super powerful. Um, I think there's so many ways that you get data. It's, it's probably the most expensive thing to do in terms of content and creating content, but it's also the most high value ROI thing in it because it's expensive. Sometimes it gets rid of people can't play into video because, you know, it's expensive in terms of you've got to get someone to shoot. You've got to get someone to edit. You've got to get someone to exactly. strategize. So yeah. there's just so many parts of it, but sometimes the most expensive things in life give you the biggest, there's a reason why it's expensive. You know, it's like the reason why we pay for Chanel bags and not oh. Oriton bags because, you know, there's a longer that, that asset goes up in value or so same thing here is what we're suggesting is um, videos could be really smart way to play your ad strategy out if you think well ahead of it. So Cliff, my final thing for you is using videos in your organic posts coming yes. up so you can optimize your organic views. Um, so one thing that I guess a couple of tips for you that when you go out and do it, is I feel that for me, the reels have worked really well. So I would love for you to try the reel format. I'd love, I think your content's really great. It'd be great. Maybe you, do you comment on other people's posts and engage with their content and tag them in when you post to let them know like, hey, I thought of you. I thought you'd enjoy this piece.
1: I do comment on others posts. I don't tag on my own. So that might be, yeah, that might be something. Like you
0: might find this really relevant. Another thing is like, you know, when people... Are coming in and connecting with you every week, going in and having a look at who the new connections are and maybe potentially tagging them into your next post and saying, you know, I'm really great, glad to be connected. I, um, this is something I regularly share, you know, I you know, make sure you, you know, um, follow and hit my bell on my profile. So you'll be notified every time you post. Yeah. So, um, every time you post the other couple of tips I had for you was you can actually add a CTA in right down the bottom of your post. Every time you post your great content, you can actually type in like, you know, go to my profile and hit my little bell. There's a little bell so that you are notified every time I post, if you like my stuff so that there's an action for them at the end. Um, I have started doing stuff like follow me at, melanie like and i'll actually go and put at in front of my name so when they've read all the way so they actually have the link right there rather than going and having to do the search
1: oh you so know? you put your linkedin like, link like, in yeah, the put, post yeah, yeah the and end. that doesn't affect your reach or anything like that
0: no but it uh, helps that person just click
1: while they're reading
0: that. and they can go follow you right That's on the spot idea, yeah so you're kind of building and getting awareness when you post um another one is do you have to post every day at the same time, mm. uh, not every, and not? And even if you don't do every day, but it should be like ten. Like you have to be dedicated to like say ten a.m. Tuesday, ten a.m. Wednesday, or ten a.m. Mm. Thursday. Like people just need people to like show up exactly at the same time. And then if they like you, you kind of go, Oh, I know that person posts at that time. Let me quickly hop on and have a look. I do that for certain people I like. So if you're posting like all over the place, it's very hard to know when you're going to actually show up. If I'm into your content, I actually don't know. So, you know, really choosing that time and doing it every time. And then another couple of things is your hashtags. It does actually now I've realized with hashtags, some people are searching for particular hashtags because they're interested in that topic. So having three to five hashtags improves yeah. your reach by about 20%. If you have any more, it declines. So those people that are going maniac and doing like yeah. 20 hashtags, it's not Instagram, you know, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah. So that I could really... wonder improve. about hashtags,
1: yeah. Yeah, so you could... Not-
0: You could totally go for hashtags. Mm. I would go for video, video marketing hashtag. And make sure when you do do the hashtags, go and look at the hashtags actually got followership.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What sort of, uh, for someone uh, new like me, as in not very prominent on LinkedIn, what would you recommend a good hashtag volume would be to?
0: I always think go high high because, you know, like if you're just, like no one's following, I don't know, some people like tag weird stuff. Like, I don't know, I've seen people go, I'm going to class and then they tag class. Like no one is following class, you know. If someone's mm. going to follow you, they're going to be like video marketing strategy or video marketing or market, marketing strategy because they're the things that you seem like really interested in. Mm. So, And that that's a very highly followed thing. So people would actually probably go and look at that. The other day someone said to me that, um, I had tagged digital nomad, and I don't know who did that in my team because I wouldn't have like done that. But they were like searching for digital nomad Ah, on LinkedIn, which was you know I didn't even know that was a followed thing. So
1: yeah, I didn't know.
0: um, So yeah, you want to you definitely want to do stuff that really like what you said is in your crux. Like this is what Mm. you actually speak about, and it's got a following because you want people want to go there, search that piece. And then you come up at some point, it will kind of help you out, but yeah, try and try and create a bit of a community. Like if you've got people that like teams that you are within your team, ask them to comment on your stuff. As soon as you post, like in our thing, we've got like a thing where we go, okay, I've just posted, make sure you, you know, give me your real thoughts of what this is and Not just, oh, yeah, I just commented. Like they have to spend the time to read it because LinkedIn is measuring dwell time. that someone actually has read it and actually went through it rather than, yeah, I just commented. There's no point in that. You know, if you've got a community of people, because there's something called Founder Sunday. I don't know if you know about that, but that's called Founder Sunday. One of my clients actually set it up. Look it up. You can go join it and then they've got a community of people that are really into posting and, you know, sharing stories. But there's a community there that would really again support when you post and they'll probably share in, you know, journeys and all that. So you kinda wanna find your little tribe of people that bring into the network that are very active on LinkedIn. So when you Mm. post, they engage. Um be very aware of the time zones they're in. So maybe you need Mm. to start posting at five PM rather than ten A. M. if you know, your, your, um, your community starts being more European, not just Aussies because yeah, at the moment it's
1: Aussies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Aussies can still post at five, like can still engage at 5.00 PM, but you might start Mm. getting a different community of people. So yeah, just be mindful. So there's a couple of things. I mean, yeah, I just could give you so many, but I feel (sighs) your content's really great and cut through, but maybe, you know, bring in the hashtags bring in some tagging strategy, bring in some people that you can ask to give their thoughts, maybe your clients that you've worked with before going, hey, do you agree with this? You know, create some debate around Mm. it and then have that final CTA after you finish your post to make sure that someone goes and either follows you or someone goes and interacts with your bell. I think that will up your LinkedIn game.
1: I think the commenting one especially, i have not really done i've tried hashtags a couple of times and but yeah it makes sense now and having that follow is uh, thing is a good idea because yeah. it stays within linkedin so linkedin's not gonna they're not gonna dock you for that so that exactly. makes sense yeah exactly really good.
0: well i've really enjoyed the conversation cliff it's gone for a lot longer than i suspected so oh yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, that was really good i enjoyed sharing thank,
0: thank you for... you're listening to innovative